This is the Race Hubs Pit Report Podcast with Brad Huber and Chris Wilner. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Racing Hubs Pit Report as the season winds down across the world of motorsports. I'm Brad Huber here in Indianapolis where it is uh, very dark earlier now. Uh, Chris Wilner, not in Charlotte this weekend. He's been a man on the move going from Charlotte to Phoenix for NASCAR championship weekend, back to Charlotte for about 24 hours, and now down to just outside Atlanta for the Petit Le Mans. Uh, Chris, uh, how are your travels going? They're going. I never remember what city I'm in or what time it is. I just, you know, fly by. <laughs> but, no, it's, I mean, that busy's good, so it's always nice to be on the road, and especially – you know, I didn't get to pull off the trifecta and do the IndyCar Championship, NASCAR, and IMSA, so I'll just stick to two or three. But, no, everything's good. Yeah, I had to get some stuff done at the office in Charlotte last on Monday and Tuesday and then flew out this morning, which I don't know why they flew me out from Charlotte. It's like four hours away, but whatever. So I flew out this morning and uh, did some walkthroughs today, and we'll get after it starting tomorrow. And you're lucky you got on the flight you did at a Sky Harbor airport. Sounds like uh, a lot oh of comrades, especially from MRN, uh, had some major issues getting out of Phoenix on Monday. Yeah, they did. I uh, A couple of them were, you know, I saw on social media, and then my buddy Mamba Smith was was sending, like, video messages updating us what was going on. I guess there was an accident, and somebody uh, hit the transformer there outside the airport, and I, I guess they got hurt. Uh, but it cut the power to the airport and, you know, the generators there, I guess, if they have any, only do so much. And uh, they had to ground all the flights for several, several hours. I know uh, Parker Kligerman, you know, on NBC said he ended up just driving to Los Angeles, which is where he was going for a little vacation instead of flying there. So he just took his own rental car, but a lot of the NASCAR folks trying to get back to Charlotte don't really have that option. So a lot of them got kind of stra- uh, stranded there for a while. I mean, I guess there's worse places to be stranded at. Phoenix Sky Harbor is a nice airport, but yeah, that's, uh, I'm glad, you know, normally red eyes aren't my favorite. I only like them because it gets me home quicker and I can, and I don't waste a whole day traveling when you're going from the West coast, you know, cause if you fly out at 7am on Monday, you're not going to get home till three, four o'clock in the afternoon. So, you know, it kind of worked out for me. I was able to land at about 6 a.m. A little before that, I took a couple hour nap and was able to have a pretty productive day at work. So there you go. Uh, I guess the small victories in life. Uh, <laughs> normally, 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 I'm not good with travel. Normally, it always bad things always happen to me. So this one kind of worked out, including my flight here to Atlanta. It was only 20 minutes, but I up, upgraded to first class, which is nice. Go. I never get the long. I always get the short trip upgrades. But that's all right. I'll still take it. There you go. Good deal. So this is your final weekend on the road for 2021 too. You ready for some time at home here for a couple months? Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, more so just to, yeah, like get my life back in order. You know, we're, we're still not hundred percent moved into the new house. I mean, we're, we're there, but we still have decorating to do and get rid of some of the old boxes and things. So I, uh, my dad sent me a grill, a new grill for the house for early go. Christmas present. I time to open it yet uh, and he sent that three weeks ago so uh yeah i'll be enjoying some time off um doing a little part-time job you know on the side for a little bit and then it's uh right around the holidays is when we'll get 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 ready to go for the tulsa shootout which i'll leave probably two days after christmas and then obviously the chili bowl in january and so the off season not long but be good to have no. a little bit of a break here before we get 
back to racing in January. And uh, let's uh, recap real quickly. Uh, championship weekend. It was a wild weekend. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek, who was one of the final four drivers, uh, he had issues early on that race on Friday night. Uh, got damaged, got into the wall on the second lap of the race and had to battle back from behind. But uh, a great pass at the end of that race. Ben Rhodes getting uh, – he got around – Zane Smith to win the championship to finish third in the race and win the uh, the championship. Chandler Smith won the race overall, but uh, a great win there for Ben Rhodes from just down the road here in Louisville, Kentucky, to win his first ever NASCAR Camper World Truck Series championship on Friday. And Chandler Smith, another victory to end the season at Phoenix. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ben Rhodes is, is one of my favorite people, you know, down there in the Truck Series garage, always personable, always you know, pretty level-headed. Obviously, we've seen him kind of get in some situations in the past, but for six years to have been trying in the truck series, you know, you don't, you forget how, you know, although he's probably my age, you know, 28, 29, I think, you know, he's been around the truck series for a while. So it's kind of good to, to see him not only win the championship, but do it in the way that he did where, you know, he even said in the post-race um, media conference, which ended up being fueled by Bud Light, that he, you know, didn't have the best truck, but they, they, he found something there at the end and, and was going to go for it and was able to make the pass and do so relatively cleanly there on Zane. You know, it's not like he roughed him up too bad or anything like, you know, that we've seen in the past. So I thought it was a fantastic way for Ben Rhodes to, to capture his championship. You know, sure he would want the win, but, you know, I think he knew once he got up past Zane, that was it. So from there, it was just playing defense, but I was just, more impressed not only or happy for him not only just for winning the championship but the fact he's a midwestern guy and the fact he could finally let loose you know those championship drivers ever since they started you know the opening round of the playoffs that the whole pit road from the championship side of things has been real serious you know down we were at gateway in vegas it's like the, the tone was a lot different than it was over the course of the regular season. And then to see Ben, you know, Mr. Lightweight chug a couple beers and have a pretty <laughs> animated press conference it shows you that, you know, these guys are, the emotions are real and he could finally let loose and really enjoy things. And there's no more pressure anymore. So it was really cool. Um, fun to watch, you know, from, from Phoenix, it's a beautiful racetrack. I think, you know, as much as, we talk about Homestead missing Homestead, which I, I agree. I think Homestead should be the last race of the year. Phoenix does a great job and, you know, definitely deserves uh, at least this penultimate race, if not the last race, because, you know, we saw three great races, but the truck series was awesome. Congrats to Ben Rhodes. And he, um, a couple weeks, uh, races ago when we were in Vegas, he took my picture and said that he's going to hang it in the shop next to their, uh, you know, Tracy Hines works for Thor Sport. Okay. And he said, you all think you look like Tracy Hines. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. So he took my picture and he, or one of the crew guys did. And they said, they're going to print it off and hang it up next to Tracy's. And it'd be like the two doppelgangers. And I'm like, well, I appreciate it. Cause I don't think I look anything. <laughs> like Tracy Hines is obviously a USAC champion. Yeah. And, and is, so I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. But that was pretty cool. Yeah. Tracy Hines for people up here, uh, multi-time champion and uh, silver crown sprints and midgets in the United States auto club. So that's a, uh, that's a pretty cool story though. With ben Rhodes, uh, Chandler Smith, the winner, Stuart Friesen was second, Ben Rhodes third, Sheldon Creed and Zane Smith, the top five, the championship drivers, Ben Rhodes finished third, Zane Smith was fifth, 
John Hunter Nemechek battled back to finish seventh, and Matt Crafton was 12th. And then on Saturday in the X- uh, Xfinity Series race, uh, problems for A.J. Allmendinger. He had a bad vibration late in the race and then also spun that final caution, which really sort of hurt. Um, it really sort of hurt Austin Sendrick in that battle for the championship, yeah. bringing out the caution and allowing for Daniel Hemrick to make a great pass coming to the finish to the checkered flag, the final turn of the season, Daniel Hemrick gets around Austin Cindric to not only win his first ever race after finishing second, I don't even know how many times, a lot, I think 10-ish, and then winning not only the race, but winning the championship as well. So congratulations to Daniel Hemrick uh, getting to the back bumper and then winning by about five feet that championship. So for the second day in a row, another great, feel-good story here for Daniel Hemrick, who had been the uh, bridesmaid so many times, and now not only is a race winner, but a champion. Oh, yeah. You couldn't write a better script than than what Daniel Hemrick did there on Saturday night. I thought, you know, as far as the race was concerned, it it seemed like he was going to be the bridesmaid again. You know, he was, he was kind of in that second and third spot majority of the race, and uh, I think we saw pretty early on who was going to be the one to beat, and that was Austin Cindric. Um, You know, I thought A.J. Allmendinger maybe have had a shot. You know, they got him in pit strategy up inside the top five for the first time in a while there in stage three, and, you know, it just didn't work out. He didn't fire off quick enough. And then Noah Gregson, you know, no, he goes one speed, and that's 110%, and mm-hmm. he just sent it in there too hard to turn one and two and hit the wall and – you know, although he kept going, that just, I think, killed the speed in that car and they weren't able to do much. So it just shows you that, you know, Daniel Hemrick, while he is deservingly in the championship four because of his consistency, it just shows you that although he may not have been the favorite, anything can happen in this championship. And two of the more, I would say, more favorited drivers over him uh, had issues. So, you know, you put yourself in the right place at the right time. I, we said it all along uh, in the production meetings there with NBC that, you know, this could be the year that Daniel Hemrick finishes second in the race to the 54 of John Hunter, who was quick for most of the race and still win the championship and be our first winless champion. Uh, and it almost came down to that. Honestly, uh, if John Hunter didn't have, you know, the issues there late that got Cindric the lead in that short run, you know, we could have been talking as Hemrick as a, you know, no win champion. But nevertheless, when he saw the situation with a, couple of those late race restarts knowing that you're just going to have to beat the 22 uh you know his crew chief was reminding him uh dave rogers that you know you've you, you you've got to go for it you know you've got to basically play offense don't give it a little bit and he went out and did it and i think surprised a lot of people we didn't know i honestly didn't know daniel hemrick had that kind of move in him i knew he would drive it really hard but using the front bumper to get kind of move somebody out of the way and then beat and bang uh, kind of shocked us all, but you know what? That's what happens when you go for a championship. So that was, that was one of the coolest races, coolest finishes I've seen in a while. And uh, yeah, you know, Austin Cindric's dejected and was pretty, you know, adamant of how mad he was um, there at the end of the race. But, you know, that's, that's a championship. And Daniel Hemrick certainly deserved it. And certainly now he can shut up everybody that says he can't win a race. <laughs> Indeed, and, you know, there's a difference between bumping somebody and making a move like he did and wrecking somebody at the end of that to win a championship, and he did not 
wreck Austin Cendrick. He just bumped him like you saw Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon, and those guys do. But, Chris, the big story for him was how his weekend started. His car almost didn't make it to the track for practice because of issues with the hauler. I think in Texas they hit something. And so his car got to the racetrack 20 minutes before practice on Friday, the only practice session for the Xfinity Series of the weekend. Yeah, the hauler ran over a deer carcass right actually where I used to live and work in Abilene, Texas. Wow. So out to some of my friends that are still out there in, in Abilene and said, did you see a, you know, 18 Joe Gibbs racing hauler strand on the <laughs> Nobody could confirm, but uh, yeah, they the, the reports that came out said it just happened right outside of Abilene and they uh, ended up in that unloaded uh they had a, a a crew guy who had a mutual friend that had a trailer and near there I, I think he was only an hour away or so so he ended up meeting the hauler on the side of the road they load up just a plain white trailer and super truck that thing back and you know at that point you know daniel hemmerk was pretty pretty candid about the situation you know if i think it would have been anybody else they would be really concerned, not wanting to talk to the media. They're pissed off, whatever. But he kind of joked about it. He says, like, this would happen to me, you know, the year I get to go for a chance. Like, what are the odds, you know? But honestly, the fact that he stayed pretty cool and the whole team kind of was even keeled and kind of just saying, you know, it is what it is. We can't control it until the car gets here. Just shows you how easy it is for them when they were able to go practice and then qualify to to not be in panic mode just say, okay, let's do our normal thing. And that's what they did. They were pretty quick in practice right off the gate. Didn't need much of that. And then, uh, you know, qualified near the front and then, you know, went on to win the race. So, but yeah, what are the odds? You know, we, we always see deer on the side of the road and you always wonder like, how can these teams do, do they ever get in issues like that? Well, there's your answer. And not only is it somebody who was a driver going for the championship. So a fantastic story at the end of the day, Saturday there, Daniel Hembrick was the winner, Austin Cindric second, Harrison Burton, Riley Herbst, and Justin Haley, the top five. And then Noah Gregson finished 12th. A.J. Omendinger was 14th, the other of the championship contenders. Team Penske's Austin Cindric number 22 car, won the owner's trophy for the Xfinity Series. But uh, the cup race on Sunday, it was really back and forth. Kyle Larson led some. Uh, his car was not all that great, especially on the longer runs early in the race. Martin Trex Jr. won stage one championship contender. Uh, and then, but the move of the race, though, Chris, was the f- final pit stop, the money pit stop. Kyle Larson and his five team getting that car out front, uh, in front of, I believe it was Denny Hamlin, who was second on that uh, exit of pit road. And then Kyle Larson, he had been really good from about 25, 30, 35 lap runs. And that's how much of the race was left after you went green. And uh, he drove off to win the championship, his first championship. But, um, you know, I think Kyle Larson, he's pretty used to these 25, 30 lap features in uh, all of the races that he runs. And that's what really came down to at the end of that race on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, I think was summed up perfectly is, is the crew set him up for a 25 lap feature winner take all. And Kyle Larson, you know, clearly knows how to do those uh, in his sleep. So, but you're right that caution did not come out, which, you know, it's funny, you know, NASCAR fans saw, you know, Martin Shurex kind of leading and pulling away. And, and there was that long run and everybody's thinking, you know, is this too good to be true? Because I don't think many people thought Martin would win the championship kind of was pretty quiet. Most of the season, you know, normally he's winning five, seven races a year, but you know, he won a couple, what two, and just kind of been 
almost like Daniel Hemrick, just super mm-hmm. consistent, doesn't wreck a race car and was kind of there. And he even said in the media uh, media day leading up to the championship saying, I'm just happy to be here. He's like, I think this is my only shot left to win a championship. Honestly, he's 41 years old and we've seen, this is kind of the plateau where careers start to go. I don't want to say South is in a bad way, but you just, you don't get those opportunities that you were in your heyday in your thirties or t- late twenties. So, um, but yeah, and then the caution comes out and part of me was like, yeah, this just plays right in Larson's hands. And as long as he gets out first and has clean air, which he did, you know, it was all all said and said and done. But uh, super obviously happy for Kyle representing, you know, not only the short track community, but the dirt, you know, scene and and everyone who was there. I know Tyler Courtney was there as part of, the, you know, celebrations. Of, he had hundreds of people from World of Outlaws to Sprint Cars, Midgets. A lot of family and friends were out there from California. I think you saw the tears in his eyes, you know, when he was rolling to do his burnouts of just, I think the moment hitting him that he almost did not have a career, uh, you know, last, last, what was it? Yeah. Well, really may of last year is when it all went down. So um, I think that kind of sunk in, you know, Kyle's usually not really that emotional. He doesn't show a lot of emotions, but to see that, I think it just put it in perspective how much it meant for him to have the season he had, but to cap it off with a championship. So really cool. And obviously Caitlin Larson got plenty of shotgun duties there. Not only <laughs> they have a place called the barn there in the fan zone. That's a bar and he goes and does like a toast with everybody. So that was pretty cool. I was going to say, uh, Caitlin, the uh, shotgunning beers, like a champion there. She had several of them on Sunday night, but, uh, the Joe Gibbs racing cars were better on the longer runs. Martin Tricks Jr. And Denny Hamlin, the shorter run cars were better by Hedrick Motorsports, but Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson and Kyle Larson on the money stop getting out first and winning the race by almost half a second over Martin Trex Jr. Denny Hamlin was third. Ryan Blaney got around Chase Elliott for the top five, but Kyle Larson's final pit stop, they gained them three spots for that lead and to win the championship. So NASCAR season is over championship weekend. A lot of buzz, it seemed like, out there in Phoenix. It was the first time that Phoenix hosted a championship where you are able to have full attendance uh, with COVID last year. It was kind of cut down. So what did you think of uh, the first full uh, ex- uh, experience of championship weekend in Phoenix? Oh, it was absolutely incredible, Brad. I mean, it, you know, like I mentioned, the track does a great job in hosting the, the big event, but you know, don't forget a couple of years ago when they did kind of the re revamping of Phoenix Raceway, not only did they change the layout of the track, but they have installed so many interactive things for fans. You don't need a garage pass to go into the garages because they've got almost the Daytona style where you can walk through the backside and be right up there. You just can't hop the fence, obviously, to get into the garage, but you can talk to people and, and drivers are up there giving autographs. There's all kinds of vendors and things in the infield for the whole fan experience. I mean, it was just really cool of all the stops they pulled out for the fans uh, to make it an enjoyable experience for them and and, you know, it was packed. I mean, we, uh, I was up on top of Rattlesnake Hill, which is the old turn three and four, which is now one and two, uh, there at Phoenix Raceway for both days. And the line of cars down Avondale Boulevard from the, from I-10 were as far as at least two miles, three miles, 
uh, race day morning. So it was so cool to see everybody packed in. It was a sellout crowd there on Sundays. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's about time. It felt normal. The fact that you also had practice and qualifying and fans, it felt as close to 2019 as, as possible. And, you know, it's a really cool drive out there, too. We're out there in March of 2018, but you're driving on Avondale uh, Boulevard and you come over the bridge and there is a racetrack. And so that's a uh, really cool drive in there at the Phoenix International Raceway. Great place to host a championship. We'll talk inside here in a second, but I want to tie this in a little bit to the World of Outlaws Championship weekend at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Dirt Track and a fantastic weekend for that family because Kyle Larson's brother-in-law, Brad Sweet, Caitlin's brother, won the World of Outlaws championship uh, in that class uh, over the weekend at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. So congratulations to both Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet, who is Kyle Larson's wife's brother. Yeah, and, you know, he kind of joined Elite Company, too, becoming a three-time, you know, series champion. Uh, and that means a lot because, you know, that is – arguably i think you know the most grueling schedule uh in all of racing uh i know nascar races you know 35 36 weeks a year but you're talking about weekends but these guys race during the week on the weekends they've got you know 80 90 races that they run it's incredible and to win three championships like Brad's been able to pull off and to kind of join that elite company with the likes of a Steve Kinzer and Donnie shots. I mean, that's Jack Hodenshield, I think has three or maybe he only has two off the double check, but he got sent off on his final race, the wild child. So yeah, Brad has certainly cemented himself and he'll join the sprint car hall of fame whenever his time is called, but really, really happy for him. And, you know, Casey Kane, runs that team, uh, was driving the most he's ever driven in a sprint car this year with the Roth guys. He got hired to run the rest of the season with them. So he's kind of been away from the team for a while, for a little bit, you know, as an owner. So kind of cool that Brad was still able to, to bring it home. And, you know, I thought it was a great weekend as well. You know, a lot of talk going in was how dusty it was going to be because the Charlotte dirt track usually in around this time of year uh, at night, you know, it starts to get chilly and it kind of creates a little bit drying out effect and it gets dusty but I thought it was a lot better this year as far as what I saw on television um obviously I was in Phoenix so I didn't get to to be there but um you know and then just David Gravel I think he's due for a World of Alice championship I think next year I'm gonna go ahead and call it I think (laughs) he is one of the drivers right now uh wins all the big races including you know winning a race there at the Charlotte dirt track to cap the year so him and Logan Shuhart I think are going to be the two that'll race for a title next year with Brad still in the mix, but uh, there may be a changing of the guard just because I think David gravels on his a game right now, you know, as far as a full-time driver. And Brad sweet won the NOS energy drink sprint card title, but Brandon Shepard now four-time champion of the Morton buildings late model and Matt Shepard won the super dirt, uh, dirt car series. So those were the three champions from the weekend at the Charlotte motor speedway dirt track. Uh, USAC was also in action. We'll talk about that real quickly as the uh, sprint cars ran at the Paris Auto Speedway. Jake, uh, Jake Swanson, Brady Bacon, and Kevin Thomas Jr. were the winners there in Paris, California. They will finish at the Arizona Speedway in Santan Valley, Arizona. And you also had a busy week before we get to IMSA. You want to recap the micro showdown there at Millbridge that you were a part of last week? Oh, yeah. Wow, that was last week. It feels like three. <laughs> 
Lost all track of time. Yeah, no, that capped off an incredible 2021 year for Millbridge. It was a two-day show with the preliminary night wrapping up pretty early. We only had about 59, 60 cars. Uh, we estimated maybe around 80, 85, so didn't didn't quite get as many as we thought, but it was okay because we still had, you know, uh, we had a pair of C mains, we had two B mains, qualifiers, heat races, uh, all the good stuff, practice and qualifying as well. And uh, it was cool to see some of the big names. You know, we mentioned Christopher Bell was out there, uh, Sheldon Creed, Brett Moffitt, uh, Tyler Ankrum had an entry. He ended up not racing, though, but he had just bought a micro uh, to race there as well. And then you had all your your micro regulars, Brian Carber, who won the Give Back Classic last year and the ride at the Chili Bowl was there. Uh, and then obviously the young kids that are that are the hottest drivers right now in kind of the southeast, uh, Gavin Bochelle and Brent Cruz uh, were there as well. So a star studded lineup. Great two days. Uh, at the end of the day, it, it didn't end without any drama. Um, you know, the, the feature there for 10,000 on on uh, Wednesday night, Brent Cruz out uh, of from local Denver, North Carolina, 13 years of age, led all the laps except the final three. Uh, there was a caution, a guy flipped upside down on the backstretch coming to three to go. And Brent Cruz, according to the video, and you can watch the replay on Dirt Vision social media channels, came to a stop after kind of trying to slide through the wreck and quickly kept going and was put to the tail. Mm. Uh, he lost the lead and, and had to come from the back, and that gave the lead to Carson Quapple, who held off a hard charge from – uh, Neil Allison and and uh, and Christopher Bell and some of the other drivers and had sliders thrown at him. Ryan Timms finished second. He was a Trophy Cup winner in sprint cars a few weeks ago and uh, came down from Oklahoma to run that race for Chad Boat. So, yeah, it was a fantastic race. Carson Quapple was on it, but certainly a gift because Brent Cruz was the car to beat. But, you know, rules are rules. He, he, he was pretty hot-headed afterwards, kind of didn't even stick around to – say congratulations or anything which you know i totally get he was frustrated but you know he, your tires stopped moving so whether you're the cause of the wreck or you're just stopped to avoid it like he was because it was a lap, car that was getting ready to go a lap down that spun and flipped it right ahead of him and he just had nowhere to go so uh it's a shame now the only thing that you know you, if you play devil's advocate is ryan tim's also stopped kind of because he went to the outside of the wreck tagged the wall a little bit came to a stop it kept going they didn't put him to the tail. So it'll be a topic I'm sure discussed, but you know what? It's pr pretty clearly stated in the rule book. So unfortunate for Brent Cruz, but uh, he's won a lot this year and he's going to continue to win a lot. So unfortunately he just couldn't pull off $10,000, but yeah, it was a great race. And only a 13 year old you're talking about there. Wow. And yeah. Carson Quapple, he's not the son of uh, former cup series driver he and truck driver, Travis Quapple, is he? Yeah, he is. Uh, okay. Carson and or our brothers they both raced Carson just announced so he had a big week he uh not only won the micro you know 10,000 a win for a guy who doesn't really run micros a whole heck of a lot anymore because he focuses on um the pavement stock car stuff running the cars tour but he was just announced and signed by junior motorsports and Dale Jr. to their uh late model program I think at their late model stock program so you'll look for and he'll run that iconic number eight iRacing sponsored car that uh, that Josh Berry drove for a number of years so he's another driver to kind of on the ladder toward NASCAR for the JRM group so keep an eye on Carson Guapel good deal we'll keep an eye on him 
We'll look forward here a little bit. We'll get to Petit Le Mans, the second USAC Sprint Cars, their final races of the season. As I mentioned a little bit ago at the Santan Valley, Arizona, the Arizona Speedway this weekend. Midgets are also there Friday and Saturday, then Bakersfield Speedway on Tuesday. But let's get to Petit Le Mans, where you are just outside of Atlanta, and I think in Basilton, Georgia. I believe that is yep. the town officially. Brad. Brazelton with an R. Yeah, okay, Brazelton. Um, why don't you guys give us a preview of what's going on this weekend as we head for the 10-hour finale on Saturday to crown class champions in IMSA. Yeah, two words, uh, DPI championship. Uh, that's, that's what all eyes are going to be on in that 10-hour uh, Petit Le Mans on Saturday. Uh, obviously, anything can happen, but it's a 19-point gap. And 19 points may seem like a lot to some, but when you talk about the format of the way points are awarded in IMSA, that is a qualifying position. Wow. That could change in qualifying, depending on how the two, the 10, Wayne Taylor Racing, Konica Minolta, Acura with Ricky Taylor and Philippe Albuquerque, and I think they have Rossi on as an endurance driver this year. Uh, for Petit, and then that they're leading the number 31 wheel and engineering Cadillac, which is Pippo Durrani, who we had on our show, uh, Felipe Nazar, and Mike Conway is their endurance driver. So that's kind of the where all eyes are going to be. Uh, the GTLM, the Corvette 3, just has to start the race. They're champions. That's Jordan Taylor and Antonio Garcia. Um, LMP two and three are pretty much wrapped up. I know Gar Robinson's going to win an LMP three for Riley Motorsports. I forget who's leading in LMP two. Um, and then GTD is the other really tight one, the GT Daytona class. Uh, I think four cars are still eligible for the championship. Your Turner BMW 96, Bill Oberlin, Robbie Foley, uh, they're right there in the hunt of nine FAF Porsche that missed all of last year because of COVID, their Canadian team. They came on strong, winning three in a row to come into Petit as the points leader, Zachary Robichon, Lawrence Van Thor. Uh, and then the 23, Hard Racing, Aston Martin, which is also a kind of similar new team, uh, started, I believe, in 2020 was their first year. Uh, so they'll, they'll be right in it as well. So you've got an incredible battle for that. I, the points gap is a little bit thicker, but again, it's, it's a couple positions here and there on the racetrack. So uh lots of things can change over 10 hours you know it's it's an enduro so obviously you know we're gonna have a lot more driver changes a lot more opportunities for incidents to happen on the racetrack or things to happen on pit road you're gonna go from daylight to sunset to the dark you know a good chunk of the race will be in the dark considering it gets dark around 5 30 now uh you know we'll be just a little past halfway so it'll uh It'll be a good race. It'll be fun. It's getting cold, though. You know, it was nice in the 70s during the day, but, you know, it's definitely gotten chillier. And I looked at the forecast. Saturday, the high is only going to be like 58. So it's going to it's going to get real cold, which is pretty. I mean, it's kind of on par for this time of year. But I know, you know, Georgia and the southeast Charlotte, it usually gets colder a little later uh, in November. But uh, the cold front's coming. So it'll be interesting uh, to see what happens. But obviously we've got all the other support series there as well, beginning tomorrow with the Mazda MX-5 Cup, Porsche Carrera Cup, which are single make series. And then uh, the Michelin Pilot Challenge, uh, big four-hour finale will be on Friday. Uh, and that points battle with uh, Bill Oberlin and Robbie Foley again, uh, having a shot at a championship. So they may pull off the sweep here. We'll see what happens. So very busy weekend. I think from what you're saying, three classes still up for grabs. This weekend on Saturday in the Petit Le Mans? 
Yes, three three of the five are up for grabs. Uh, DPI, GTD, uh, and then I believe LMP2 is still in play. But LMP3 and GTLM are are those cars just have to start the race and and they're champions. And then what's the uh, schedule look like? Practice tomorrow, qualifying Friday, the race on Saturday, and like you mentioned, the uh, the four hour race on Friday as well for the uh, for the uh, support class. Yeah, Michelin Pilot Challenge. Yeah, uh, yeah that'll be on Friday. Uh, they're going to qualify tomorrow afternoon. Tomorrow, racing-wise, is just all the support series and single makes. So there's three of those, the Mazda MX-5 Cup, the uh, IMSA Prototype Challenge, which is just all basically LMP3 cars that they race the same car, and then um, um, Porsche Career Cup. Yeah, that's what I was so, and a lot of those will have two races. So they'll do race one tomorrow. They'll do race two Friday before Michelin pilot qualifies or races, excuse me. And before, um, weather tech qualifies Saturday, they will have one race in the early morning to wrap up, uh, one of the support series. And then starting, uh, early afternoon is going to be the 10 hour to cheat them all. And NBC will have the first three hours of the race from 12 until yep. three. And then NBCSN and their final broadcast of inside on nbcsn from three until ten i'm going to try to watch that race on sunday full flag to flag going to be at uh, ohio state purdue on saturday in columbus so i'm gonna try to watch all that race on sunday so uh what what's your uh, role down there this weekend uh, I'll be on the track public address system so i'm in charge of all pre-race and post-race festivities uh, the support series, I just do their victory lane. Uh, so it's pretty easy just kind of introducing drivers and, uh, getting them their trophies. They do a champagne shower and all that kind of stuff for Michelin pilot and for weather tech, we do a pretty scripted, like 30 minute for Michelin. And then about an hour, hour and a half for weather tech, uh, pre-race show. So we'll do interviews with all of the poll winners. We'll kind of do a grid walk. Uh, we have a pit stop demonstration that will kind of walk people through on the pit lane, um and kind of and then obviously i'll be on nbc when it comes to the command introducing our grand marshal and doing all that and then after the race doing victory lane so not only can you listen and see my smiling face for about 30 seconds on nbc you can catch dylan welch uh, he'll be on the pit road for nbc this weekend and our friend kevin lee here from up here as well oh, yeah. and avon as uh, well as kelly stavis and i assume lee Deffy is going to be anchoring the coverage uh, yes. as well this weekend so uh, we're going to get into some news, Chris, if you need to go, feel free to, I know you guys are having dinner here shortly, but we'll get into some news. You need yeah, to- I got about five hang out. Five minutes. We'll go through some NASCAR news. Now, a lot of it is, well, let's get into the important news. The Bush light clash is what's going to be known as the LA Memorial Coliseum revealed their format for the race coming up in February. The feature will be 150 laps. So how that will happen is, they will have practice and qualifying on Saturday, and then the qualifying will set the field for heat races on Sunday. And so the top four in each of the 25-lap heats, there will be four of them, will have the first 16 starters in the feature race, and then two 50 last lap uh, chance races or la- uh, last chance races uh, with the top three finishers in each of those taking spots 17 to 22. And then the last spot will be the highest remaining driver from this year's points. Uh, so that means Kyle Larson is guaranteed a spot in 
uh, if he didn't make it in on a heat race or the last chance race, he would start 23rd. But what are, you, what are your thoughts there on the uh, format for the Bush Light Clash at the LA Memorial Coliseum, which I know Kyle Larson was at kind of promoting the day after he won the championship uh, on Monday there in LA. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of got a little shade of chili bowl in it, you know, when it just comes to kind of the heat races and, um, obviously lower mains and transfers and things like that. Um, I just think it's going to, first of all, I think 50 to 50 lap last chance races is a little much. I, I don't know <laughs> if we want to do laps. Maybe we could do like 25, 30, that'd be fine. But, um, you know, obviously there's a reason that they're doing that. And then the other thing I was thinking of too, is the first two cars, or excuse me, when they qualify the fastest cars that are the first to be on the outside of the transfer spot. So in each of those heat races, the four fastest cars, I think should start on the pole of the last chance qualifiers, which they may, I don't know if they line them up verbatim or if they do an invert, but that would be something to keep an eye on too. But I mean, I think overall it's just, it's, it's entertainment. It's all built around getting fans to watch NASCAR in a way that is not just a green to green or green to checkered, uh, you know, 300 lap event with pit stops and it gets drawn out. I think they're doing these quick heat races. Let's see who transfers. Let's have some. so, I mean, I totally, I totally understand what they're doing. I think it'll be interesting. I just, see i need to wait until i can see a race car around the la coliseum before i'm like okay this will work because i just feel like you get 22 23 cars or whatever they're going to start out there it's just going to be it's going to be bowman gray it's going to be checkers or wreckers and i think there'll be a lot of hurt feelings going into daytona that really shouldn't be but i i still think it'll be it'll be cool it'll just be i i just cannot wait to see the cars actually out there on the racetrack and we have never seen these cars out on the racetrack yet with these new next-gen cars, so it'll be the debut. Right. I was going to say, not only are you haven't seen these cars ever in a race format, now you're going to put them on a brand-new racetrack that was <laughs> – Bob Pocker said that they're, the build is supposed to start December 20th for the February event, so there's not much time. It's all, literally the Chili Bowl because they'll start building the Chili Bowl track here in about three or four weeks for the shootout that takes place right after Christmas. So, I mean, it, it it's a quick turnaround, but uh, it'll be fun to watch. It'll be interesting to see on February 6th, all on Network Fox. That'll be fun. The other big story was Speedway Motorsports, Inc., which owns tracks like Atlanta, Texas, Bristol, New Hampshire, etc., Las Vegas, they bought Dover Motorsports Properties, which is the Dover International Speedway and the Nashville Super Speedway. So what are the thoughts regarding that move? I know there's some concern that uh, is Dover going to go by the wayside or what is, you know, they're looking at trying to move a race to the fairground speedway in Nashville. So, you know, what is the deal going to be there with that new uh purchase of Speedway Motorsports Inc. by Dover and the Nashville Super Speedway. I know there's probably some concern for the folks there in the Northeast. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's just a lot of unknowns. You know, it's so hard nowadays to have an independently owned racetrack because like broadcast media, these companies are trying to buy as much as they can to control the majority, you know, of, of the stake in terms of what what's property is available. 
So you look at, you know, right now with SMI owning a certain percentage of the tracks that are involved with NASCAR, NASCAR, uh, or its body governing, governing body owning a certain take of tracks. I just think the kind of power starting to shift just a little bit. And I think, you know, Dover and Nashville present properties that SMI not only, you know, is, is a useful thing as far as leveraging tool for races, but those properties, like you said, maybe talks of kind of not being used and especially with the national fairgrounds trying to get the fair board trying to get that passed and set to have a nascar race you know that there's some opportunities there for some rework to be done maybe they do a fontana maybe make um, nashville super speedway a short track or maybe they take dover and sell it as you know they bought and sell it to some i, I don't know there's a lot of unknowns about it but I have heard too around the garage area that it's not looking good for Dover. It's just the fan attendance hasn't been good. It's, it's far from any major airport. Um, you know, it, it's while Dover, Delaware, not, you know, nothing against that area. It's just, it's not in a really good racing hub. It's not really in a good metropolitan hub for race fans to get to and to stay at, you know, they got the one hotel and casino on the property. And then other than that, you got to kind of have to commute in. So I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of that, that, that business model of, you know, SMI trying to grow its capital a little bit, whether they use the track or not. But um, I think, you know, Dover's certainly going to have some change and so is Nashville, but I think all eyes still are going to be on the, on what the fair board does about the fa uh, fairground speedway. Cause I think NASCAR has really eyed that as somewhere it wants to race um, versus the super speedway. It'll be interesting if that happens, if they move NASCAR away from the super speedway to the fairground speedway. And that leaves only a couple of independently owned racetracks still out there. Indianapolis Motor Speedway was owned by the Holman George uh, family, now owned by Roger Penske. The Mattioli family owning Pocono. I think Road America is leased. I think I uh, somebody corrected me on Twitter about that. One other racetrack, maybe Circuit of the Americas, is independently owned also. So... Yeah, it's uh, growing less and less as uh, NASCAR and SMI are kind of owning more and more racetracks. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, Chris, you have to uh, you have to go here, go get some dinner. Yeah, it's about time. My stomach's rumbling. I hadn't what? eaten since before I left today. So what what's for dinner tonight? That's a great question. Uh, let's see. We've got a Chili's across the street, uh, Outback and carabas so probably one of those three okay good what deal. do you think I, brad what do you think i should what should i eat uh any of those are good you know chili's is kind of a uh, mainstream restaurant as is kind of carabas and uh texas uh you know i don't know if there's anything local down there that you could try but uh, i think any of those options are, are pretty good there for you depending on what you're hungry for yeah, the, the local cuisine is going to be more in Atlanta. We're kind of off the interstate in a random little town. So there's not a whole lot. I'll do some investigating tomorrow, but for now, I just need to get some sort of food. So we'll figure how, it out. How far are you from the racetrack there in your hotel? Uh, about 20 minutes. I mean, it's not bad. Good deal. So, Chris, uh, enjoy the weekend. Uh, we look forward to watching on NBC. I'm going to do some more news on the IndyCar front here, but uh, we'll cool. catch up and recap. IMSA and the finale and the Petit Le Mans next week. Awesome. Sounds good. <laughs> Take care, guys. See you, Chris. And we will recap here as we have some IndyCar news to get to, some other NASCAR news involving drivers as well in the Camping World Truck Series. 
Neath, Neath Motorsports, Dean Thompson, Lawless Allen will drive full-time for Neath Motorsports in the Camping World Truck Series. They will team with a former guest of ours on this show, Carson Holsevar. So a three-team effort there for Neath Motorsports in 2022. Myatt Snyder, who is the son of Marty Snyder, who will be a part of the Petit Le Mans broadcast this weekend. Uh, colleagues with Dylan Welch and Kevin Lee and Kelly Stavis. He got moved out of Richard Childress Racing in the Xfinity level because of Sheldon Creed and Austin Hill taking over that two-car effort for Richard Childress Racing. But Myatt Snyder will drive full-time for Jordan Anderson Racing in the number 31 Xfinity car in 2022. Sage Karam spent some time in that car. Some others spent some time in that car. So Myatt Snyder. Uh, so good to see he back in the full-time ride. He was a playoff driver this year in the NASCAR Xfinity series and as a matter of fact he made it to the first round of the playoffs before getting knocked out in the first round of the Xfinity series playoffs uh, was Myatt Snyder but and then front row motorsports at the cup level expecting to field two teams in 2022 last year's Daytona 500 champion Michael McDowell will return to that car uh, Anthony Alfredo we know will not so who will the second driver be could that be Maddie DiBenedetto? Uh, they want a driver who will bring some money to the team. Matt DiBenedetto fits that category. Ryan Newman does as well. So we'll have to see who will be the second car in the front row motorsports in 2022. Michael McDowell, the Daytona 500 champion, will return to that team next year. So that is all of the NASCAR news other than there is a rumor out there that another OEM, if you will, Dodge, who was in NASCAR about 20 years ago with guys like Casey Kane and Jeremy Mayfield and Bill Elliott and others, could be returning to NASCAR in the near future. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that. That is the rumor that is floating about right now is that Dodge would join Toyota, Chevrolet, and Ford to make it a fourth. Uh, engine manufacturer in NASCAR. So we'll keep an eye on that story in the coming weeks and throughout this offseason. IndyCar and a lot of news on the IndyCar front, a lot involving drivers. Uh, as we've kind of been hinting, Devlin DeFrancesco will graduate the road of Indy and he will drive full-time for the number 29 Andretti Autosport car. That is the fourth full-time car for Andretti Autosport. He'll be teaming up with Romain Grosjean, the 28, Alexander Rossi, and Colton Herta in those other Andretti Autosport cars. And then Marco Andretti will drive a couple, including the Indy 500 in the number 98 car to be a fifth car for Andretti Autosport uh, for Michael Andretti. So congrats to Devlin DeFrancesco and then Kyle Kirkwood, who had been an Andretti Autosport driver in the Indy Lights program. He will be leaving that family as he got the okay from Michael Andretti to find other options because they knew they didn't gonna, they weren't going to have anything for him in the IndyCar series, and he will have to be in an IndyCar because he won the Indy Lights Championship and how that works with the Road to Indy. You get graduation money. You get scholarship money to run some races in IndyCar, including the IndyCar Grand Prix in May and the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500 on Memorial Day weekend. So Kyle Kirkwood, he went out, and he will drive not only part-time but full-time. For AJ Fort Racing, that famous number 14 car next year, replacing Sebastian Bourdais. Bourdais, we talked about going to IMSA, 
next year driving for Ganassi in IMSA, which we can talk to Chris about next week. Uh, so Kyle Kirkwood will be driving for AJ Fortnite number 14 car, a one-year deal. And so that perhaps could lead him to replace Alexander Rossi next year back home at Andretti Autosports as I know Team Penske perhaps could be looking at Alexander Rossi after his deal with Andretti Autosports expires in 2022 going into 2023. So Kyle Kirkwood, Devlin Francesco, two Indy Lights drivers who are now going to be in the IndyCar series on a full-time basis in 2022. Chip Ganassi confirms he'll have five Indianapolis 500 entries in 2022. We knew of Alex Polo, who was the IndyCar champion this year. Marcus Erickson, Scott Dixon, who are his three full-time drivers. Uh, Tony Kanan expected to be the fourth car. And then it's looking more and more likely like Jimmy Johnson, the seven-time NASCAR Cup champion, will be a fifth car for Chip Ganassi Racing in the effort, the Indianapolis 500. Jimmy Johnson has yet to officially confirm that, however. The other four are confirmed. So we'll keep an eye on that story with Chip Ganassi. One guy who was rumored to switch from... Formula One to IndyCar, Nico Hulkenberg. He is ruling out that switch to IndyCar after he tested with Aaron McLaren SP. He doesn't see uh, a need for him on a personal decision to come to IndyCar. He will go back and race in Formula One on a full-time basis. Uh, some rumors that Carlin and Hunkos could be merging in IndyCar with Carlin Racing, who uh, had been owned by the dad of Max Chilton. And that company... Uh, they may be selling the assets to Hunkos and be creating a second car effort full-time for Hunkos to join Callum Alot, who is the Hunkos full-time driver already announced. So that is the rumors. Nothing done or official yet, as we've seen with rumors so far and some possible business deals. Sometimes they don't work. Sometimes they fail, like we saw with Michael Andretti trying to buy that Formula One team. Sometimes at the last minute, those do not work, so we'll wait for it to be officially confirmed. But again, the rumor that Carlin and Hunkos will be merging to create a two-car effort for Ricardo Hunkos and that team in 2022, the team with Callum a lot. We will keep an eye on that in the coming weeks. And then another rumor, and this is complete speculation, now that Kyle Larson has won a NASCAR Cup championship at Phoenix this past weekend, will his car owner Rick Hendrick allow him to drive maybe a Penske car at the Indianapolis 500 next year. Both are, are Chevys. Rick Hendrick, he drives a, a Chevrolet for Rick Hendrick and NASCAR. In IndyCar, Roger Penske, and Penske is a Chevy. They are Fords in NASCAR, but Chevy in IndyCar. And that number 22 team is not being used on a full-time basis this year. They shut it down after Simon Pagano left Penske to go to... Meyer Shank Racing, and so it was going to be a three-car effort for Team Penske, but could Kyle Larson join in in that 22 car for Roger Penske? That is something we're completely going to have to watch during this offseason. I know Kyle Larson is getting quite tired of answering the question if he wants to run in the Indianapolis 500. I know he definitely would if he got the opportunity to do so. So those are sort of the IndyCar stories. Also the Chevrolet Grand Prix 
in Detroit is heading back downtown after next year's race. They are leaving the uh, streets of Belle Isle, that park, which is just kind of in between Detroit and Canada along the Detroit River. And so that race is moving back downtown. We talked to Mike uh, Thompson about that from back in the early days with Formula One and the early IndyCar days back in the 80s and early 90s that they used to run in downtown Detroit. They are going to go back to downtown Detroit. It might be a little easier for fans to get to, so they don't have to be shipped from parking garages in Detroit to Belle Isle. And so the race this coming June, the weekend after the Indy 500, will be the last race at Belle Isle before it moves to downtown Detroit beginning in 2023. And then also we've talked about the 500 Sprint Car Tour uh, last week a little bit. Uh, with Dylan and Chris, we are going to try to talk to either Rick Dawson or Jared Owen from the Anderson Speedway who are involved in helping create this 500 Sprint Car Tour. I've been in contact with both of them. We are going to get them on the show probably the week after Thanksgiving to talk about how this came about, talk about the schedule, which we know now uh, that will begin at Lucas Oil Raceway on March 26th and also end there on October the 22nd. Three races at Lucas Oil Raceway, including the Thursday Night Thunder event. Uh, two races, uh, make that three races at the Anderson Speedway. That does not include the Little 500 on Memorial Day weekend. So they'll run three other races there at the high banked quarter mile short track there in Anderson. They'll run two races up in Michigan at the Berlin Raceway. And then they'll have one race at the Plymouth Speedway in northern Indiana, the Plymouth Motor Speedway, and one. TBA to be announced, but we'll talk to either Rick Dawson or Jared Owen who are involved in creating this 10 race tour for 2022 about how this came about, why they wanted to create this tour as kind of sprint car racing has kind of got lost. I know you have the United States Auto Club sprint car racing, and we'll talk about how it's different from USAC sprint car to this sprint car tour. So we'll talk to them probably the week after Thanksgiving. Uh, the schedule, what drivers we may be involved in this tour uh, as well, uh, beginning in March of next year. And speaking of the future of this show, we are going to be back with you next week to recap uh, the USAC Sprint Cars and the Midgets out west in Arizona, the Petit Le Mans. And then we are going to take a week off for Thanksgiving week, and then we'll be back the week after, and then possibly go every other week uh, pending on news stories through the holiday week. I know we'll probably take the week of Christmas and the New Year's off and then really get going again once we get closer to the Chili Bowl in January, the early January, as Chris was just talking about a little bit earlier. He's going to be leaving for Tulsa uh, between Christmas and New Year's, and then the Chili Bowl is right after that in early January. And then you begin the roar to the 24, the 24-hour race at Daytona, the Bush Light Clash in early February, and then to the Daytona 500 and Speed Week at Daytona. So not a long off season for motorsports as it kind of winds down after this weekend um, with the Petit Le Mans. USAC Sprints, uh, Midgets do have some more racing to go up through and just after Thanksgiving. So the 2021 season really beginning to wind down. So that will do it this week. That's all the news. Thanks to Chris from... Brazelton, Georgia, where Road Atlanta is for the Petit Le Mans. You can see that on NBC noon to 3 on Saturday, 3 until 10 on NBCSN. 
that is the final racing event ever on NBCSN as NBCSN is going by the wayside after this year. And then all the racing, IMSA, NASCAR, IndyCar, you can see on the USA Network beginning in 2022 with a lot of other sports going over to USA uh, as well, including, including Olympic sports, including some golf, including college basketball, hockey, um, college football. So USA Network will become a lot more of a sports network as we head into 2022 with the NBCSN network going uh, away. So uh, that's what it will do it for this week. If you have any racing in your neck of the woods, if you're down near Atlanta, check out the Petit Le Mans. Always a good time. That 10-hour endurance race. Several IndyCar drivers taking part, like Alexander Rossi. Elio Evans will be involved, I know. Mike Conway, who used to be an IndyCar driver, as Chris mentioned, will be involved in the 10-hour race as well. Or if you're out west for the United States Auto Club, go ahead and check out their racing uh, if you can, if you're in that area, but I know it's uh, becoming less and less uh, of an opportunity to go watch them racing in your neck of the woods. So again, special thanks to Chris Wilner. I'm Brad Huber. We'll talk to you again next week as we will recap Petit Lamar. Chris will be in his off season and I know he will be happy to be back home for a little while and continue his wedding planning. And then also uh, get ready for the holidays. And me personally, I bought a ring. For my fiancé-to-be, uh, I will not say any more about that, but a uh, big deal at K Jewelers. Thanks to them for letting me uh, and helping me uh, take care of that. So uh, a lot going on between the two of us uh, in our personal lives uh, as well. So we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening this week to the Racing Hub's Pit Report. Chris Wilner, I'm Brad Huber. Chris Wilner and uh atlanta this week brad huber here in indianapolis we'll talk to you again next week here on the racing hubs pit report